today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Before we feed the Lamb of the Spirit, we absolutely must starve to death the flesh and in so doing mortify the deeds of the flesh, which includes, as we just read, sexual sin, things like partying or reveling, as the translation renders it, and really everything in between. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Have you ever wondered why sometimes you can't seem to walk in the Spirit but default to the flesh? Pastor J.D. exhorts us today to completely put to death the flesh. If we secretly cling to a sin, we won't be able to walk in step with the Spirit or be busy with the things of God. Take inventory of your heart and see what needs cleaning. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today's teaching is going to be part two of a series I've titled How to Overcome Carnality. I chose this title with the understanding that you can see carnality as being synonymous with the flesh, and indeed it is in the sense that that's where we get the word carnal from. Carnal literally means meat or flesh, which is why whenever you go to the store to buy a can of chili con carn, you're buying a can of chili with meat, carn or carnal. And this is what the Apostle Paul is writing to these churches there in Galatia concerning. Here in the remainder of chapter 5, we have what is uh, a very intense passage of Scripture, and it concerns what Paul refers to as not just the works of the flesh, but the obvious works of the flesh. In other words, it should be very clear that these are that which we can identify as being the works of the carnal nature, the works of the flesh. Now, I made the decision not to finish the chapter. I actually wanted to, in all honesty, because Paul, at the end of the chapter, contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. And make no mistake about it, I would much rather stand up here and take the time to talk more about the fruit of the Spirit than I ever would to stand up here and talk about these graphic and gnarly works of the flesh. However, the Lord just kind of sort of placed on my heart that we needed to really give this its due attention and look very closely at these obvious works of the flesh. As we saw last week, this is one of those places in God's Word where we have the what of God's Word packaged with the how of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we have practical hows in order to do that which God's Word commands us and even exhorts us 
to do. And before us in our text, we have yet again practical ways in which we as Christians can live lives of victory when it comes to overcoming the lusts of the flesh, which we're going to look at today. Last week we looked at two of the house, and this week we're going to look at one more. But first, let's revisit the first two that we saw in verses 13 through 18, the first of which was in verses 13 through 15. And it's very simply that of humbly serving and loving one another. Here, Paul is saying that in order for us as Christians to not use our freedom in Christ, which we are free in Christ, but sometimes we're prone to use that freedom in Christ to indulge the flesh. And what Paul is saying is the way to not indulge the flesh under the banner of our freedom in Christ is to serve one another humbly and in love instead. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most effective ways to overcome selfish carnality, this would have to be it. It's that of humbling ourselves, getting outside of ourselves, and serving others instead of living to serve ourselves and living for ourselves. The second one is in verses 16 through 18, and it's that of staying busy in and led by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is saying here. What he's saying is, if, listen please, this is very important, and it's very logical too, by the way. If we're in step with, busy in, and led by the Spirit, we won't have time to, nor will we have the desire to gratify the flesh. The best illustration I heard was this. If you're in step with, in sync with, the Spirit walking in this direction, it is an impossibility for you to go in the opposite direction, the direction of the flesh. It's either or. It's not both. You can't do both. It's either you're walking in step with the Spirit, busy with the things of the Spirit, or you're walking according to and living according to the flesh. It's either one or the other. You know that famous proverb, it's not a biblical proverb, but it's a proverb nonetheless that goes like this. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. I see it this way, and I say it this way. The devil can't resist it when we're idle. Oh my goodness, he just licks his chops, if I can say it that way. And yes, the devil has chops. (laughs) And he licks his chops and he's just waiting anxiously for us to just sit idly by because he's right there to tempt us. But when we're busy about the things of God, we don't have time for the flesh. If we're filled with the Spirit, we won't hunger and thirst for the things of the world and the things of the flesh. If I'm filled to overflowing, then I'm satiated. 
And conversely, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, walking by the Holy Spirit, then there's going to be a hunger and a thirst that I'm going to be tempted to fill that with, with the things of the flesh. The devil will never pass up an opportunity to bring something along in order to suggest it's a, it's a lie that you will somehow be satiated. That hunger and that thirst can only be satiated by Jesus Christ and the filling of and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Well, this brings us to our text today in verses 19 through 21, and it's our third how, and it's to starve the lion of the flesh. Starve the lion of the flesh. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert, uh, rest of the chapter, our fourth how, is by feeding the lamb of the Spirit. Last week we talked about where Jesus said that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, how do you strengthen the Spirit and weaken the flesh? You starve it to death. And I like the comparison of a lion and a lamb. I mean, under normal conditions, that lion is going to eat that lamb for lunch and have leftovers, right? But what about if you starve that lion? It's not going to even touch the lamb. It can't, especially if it's been starved to death. And not just starve the lion, but feed the lamb. Before we feed the lamb of the Spirit, we absolutely must starve to death the flesh and in so doing mortify the deeds of the flesh, which includes, as we just read, sexual sin, things like partying or reveling, as the translation renders it, and really everything in between. But before we get to this, I think it would be important that we understand what it is that Paul is saying, and perhaps more importantly, what Paul is not saying in verse 21 about those who live like this not inheriting the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting, this particular portion of Scripture was in a gospel tract that I came upon and read in a public restroom several months before I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it was a gospel tract titled, How to Be Saved. And the first part of it had a passage like this here in Galatians 5 about all of these things practiced as a lifestyle by those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that kind of scared me a little bit, because that was my lifestyle. Everything on that list, and then some. So, what is Paul saying? And perhaps more importantly, what is Paul not saying? What Paul is not saying is that those who struggle with the flesh won't inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying that. He is saying that those who desire to and love to live according to the flesh, those are the ones who will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is their lifestyle. This is the lifestyle they practice. They have no desire to stop. They love the world and the things of 
the world. And so these are the ones who will not, according to this passage, inherit the kingdom of God. So now here's the question. What exactly are these works of the flesh that, if practiced and loved as a lifestyle, will keep me from inheriting eternal life? Well, we have this list here before us, and it's important to note that it's not exhaustive, which is why Paul says in verse 21, after he lists all of these things, he also says, and the like. In other words, things like these things, meaning that there are many other things that could also have been included on this list. But here's the problem. We're all prone to just quickly read through a list like this, and we do so without really giving it any real thought. And when we do that, I think we do err greatly by virtue of the implications of each and every one of these works of the flesh that are listed. And by the way, this is going to be very germane to our understanding as we take a closer look at them, especially when we get to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the contrast being work as opposed to fruit. I love Pastor Chuck Smith's illustration in his book, Why Grace Changes Everything, one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And he contrasts the factory to the garden. What's in the factory? Work. What's in the garden? Beauty. Fruit. What do you see in the factory? Striving. Flesh. Sweat. Effort. Production. Noise. What do you find in the garden? Solace. Peace. Calm. Quiet, fragrance, beauty. That's the life of the Spirit. That's the life of the Spirit as compared to the works of the flesh. And so the question should be asked, does my life represent more of a factory? Or does my Christian life resemble that garden that is fruitful and beautiful? Well, This is why I want to take a closer look at these works of the flesh. The first one that's listed is sexual immorality. And in the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the Greek word pornea, where we get our English word for pornography. And it means and includes, among other things, adultery, which is sex outside of marriage, and fornication, which is sex before marriage. The next one listed is impurity. Some of your translations render it uncleanness. And it basically means that you're living a life of impurity. You're not living a pure and holy life in the power of the Holy Spirit. The third one is debauchery. It's also translated lasciviousness or licentiousness. These are not words we use in our vocabulary today. Licentiousness actually means doing anything without a license. Licentiousness, or perhaps better said, 
taking license to do whatever you want, living as you please for the pleasures of life. The fourth is idolatry. And that basically means the worship of the idolizing of another god. And the fifth, very interesting, is witchcraft. And this, in the original language of the Greek New Testament, is the Greek word pharmakia, where we get our English word pharmacy. And this speaks to the use of drugs as a satanic gateway, inducing an altered state of consciousness. And that's what that is referring to. The next ones are hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, which, if you really think about it, all go together. And here's why. Hatred due to jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition is what leads to discord, fits of rage, dissensions, and factions. And don't you find it interesting that these would be included in a list such as this? And not only what was mentioned prior, but how about the last two in verse 21? How about this? Drunkenness and orgies. What? Wait a minute. Are you, are you telling me that dissensions, selfish ambition, factions, cliques, divisions, striving, that all of that rises to the level of sexual immorality? Yeah. How is that possible? Well, think about it. How does that smell, you'll forgive the choice of that word for lack of a better one, how does that smell? to a holy and righteous God, especially within the church. You know, we are prone to look at somebody who maybe comes from a past of alcohol or drugs, or maybe they had a bad past in their marriage, maybe they are uh, divorced, and we look down upon them with smugness as if to say they have committed the unpardonable sin while here we are over here in this corner with our cute little clique gossiping? And you're telling me that that doesn't stink to high heaven in the nostrils of a holy God? This should give us pause, should it not? Oh, pastor, you're very passionate about this. You better believe I am. You want to know why? Well, I'll tell you why, whether you want to know or not. (laughs) God is very protective of His church. And by the way, this is God's church. This isn't my church. It is my privilege to be the pastor of this God's church. This is God's church. I have no right to impose my own vision on this God's church. I just shriek in horror whenever I'm asked, 
what, what is your vision for the church, Pastor J.D.? To which I usually like to, in a sanctified way, respond like this. <laughs> I don't have the foggiest idea, and aren't you glad that I don't have to? You know, I, my inbox is inundated with these emails. How to grow your church? Okay, two problems. Number one, <laughs> that's not in my job description. Number two, it's not my church. God's already given us the vision for this. His church is right here. It's right here. And excuse me, but... If I'm not mistaken, the last time I checked in the book of Acts, it says that it's God who adds to the church daily as many as should be saved. You know what my job description is? It's actually, thankfully, quite simple. Three words simple. You ready for it? Here it is. Wait for it. Preach the word. That's it. That's it. That's it. My... my, (laughs) My job application, so to speak, it would basically be one line. Preach the word. That's it. That's all I'm called to do. Well, there is one more thing on top of that, and that is to love the people. Preach the word and love the people. And I'm not so sure they're mutually exclusive because... Didn't Jesus, when he restored Peter after he denied him three times, say to him, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep? Wow. Wow. Well, there you have it. There you have it. You know, it's a sad day in the church when today you can have this self-righteousness, which is nothing more than spiritual pride. You know, it's interesting to note that we have similar lists elsewhere in Scripture, like this one here in our text today in Galatians. And one of them is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'll read them quickly. Listen to this list and what he says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then listen to verse 2. Set your minds, your minds, I want to talk about the mind, on things above, not on earthly things. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from Galatians has blessed you and that you desire to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to hear today's message again or other teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take In Spirit and Truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Android or Apple smartphone, download our mobile app and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. Links to the app are right on our website. 
You can find Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update online as well. These weekly updates take a critical look at what's happening in the world today, particularly in the areas talked about in the Bible. Many of the events we see have been prophesied in the Bible, but with all that's going on, how do we know what's real and what isn't? Pastor J.D. takes the time each week to compare world events to biblical passages and gives us a clear picture of where we are. Tune in every Friday and Saturday to hear the latest edition or find it on our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to learn more. Thanks again for joining us today on In Spirit and Truth. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way. We want you to know we pray for you often. Join Pastor J.D. on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth to keep learning more from the book of Galatians. Holy me true to